Welcome everyone. We are about to begin Be'ez Hashem, BPM number 27. That's Bayez Panimi, Shir for Men number 27. We're going to continue as a valuable guide to know and understand and love your wife with very practical exercises, both in thought and in speech and in action. And if you continue to listen to these shiurim and practice these exercises, you will see yourself transformed as a better, more beautiful person, as a better husband, more beloved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Kemayim Ponim El Ponim, your wife will shine her love back to you. It will take time and you need patience with it, but you keep at it, you will see these dramatic changes over time. We're going to talk about the low-level maturity in love, and we're going to talk about the high-level maturity of love. And it's very important to recognize the difference and to start practicing that higher level of maturity. So here are emotions that we're going to talk now that are typical of an immature love. We discussed in the last shear a little bit of that, and we're going to continue. One of those emotions, and you need to understand that everyone has them, but one of them is jealousy, meaning that you uh, jealousy is caused by a fear of losing something or someone we value because it or they meet our needs. Part of this is, for example, is that when you loved your wife or you feel you loved your wife in the past and now you don't love her anymore as much because when you loved her, it's because you liked things about her that made you feel good. She smells good, feels good, sounds good, looks good, so that makes you feel good. She likes certain foods that you like or like certain music that you like enjoy being around with her because it's something you enjoy. But when you then worry that some of these things, or because of physical sexual attractiveness between one another, and when you feel you're losing that uh, for whatever reason, and in marriage sometimes it happens where things change, there's a certain jealousy, there's a certain fear of losing that. And that's an unhealthy emotion, and we'll learn how to deal with it as we're going to explain there's an envy of a desire to possess what someone else has. We imagine that if we gain, he or she has, then we'll be happier. This is the, in the marital aspects, it's the loy sachmoid, You desire someone else's wife, you know, as, as, as things in marriage problems pop up, you have these fantasies in your head, how this person's marriage is better and you love this person, and it's very fascinating just to explain how Leisachmoid works. People think that it's just purely on the base level, meaning you lust after someone else's wife, which is extremely unhealthy, and you're envious of that. And that's, most people, when they learn Leisachmoid, that's what they view. They view the Leisachmoid of being jealous of that physical, those physical attributes of sexual fulfillment, that you feel that another person's wife, the way they are, would more success, sexually fulfill me. And this is kina, and it very often has absolutely zero basis on reality, and it holds back someone from appreciating what you have here. And again, this is what the kina, that's moitziyasa adam in ha'olam, People don't realize when they say grass is greener on the other side of the street. You go to the other side of the street and you experience it there, 
you'll realize the grass is not greener on the other side. And you look back at your own side and you see the grass was actually greener on your own side. That's very often the truth. Or the other way around. If your grass is indeed greener on the other side and your grass is less green, you know what you do? You basically plant grass seeds and you put in the seeds and you cultivate it and you pull out the weeds till your side and your chalik is greener than it ever was. That is really the idea. This is this kina aspect is connected to a lack of amuna. You have amuna and the rabbi and he tailor made everything for you. It's like the way the Mikhtam Leo says, it's like putting a prescription of a particular glasses and vision for one person and having another person wear that glasses. He could barely see with them because it's not his prescription. So this idea in marriage as well, to have a Muna that this is your wife, she is special the way she is, she's perfect for you, she's meant for you, and if you practice these things that we talked about in the past and we're going to talk about in the future, you're actually bringing forth that potential and that beauty and your hakaras atayif to her and to Hashem for giving her to you will grow and grow and grow. And envy just rips that out. Envy destroys it. First of all, you don't know what's really going on outside over there. It may look very often, especially in American culture, but you see it where there's an outside Facebook and Instagram and everything where couples look very, very happy on the outside or when they invite guests to Shabbos, they're on the best behavior, so everything looks charming. In reality, there's problems, like all, everyone has problems, but they hide it so that other people shouldn't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Now, you don't wish that on anybody, chas shalom, but the idea is, is that envy is an unhealthy emotion when it comes to marriage. Another unhealthy emotion when it comes to marriage is anger, which anger generally results from a certain inner tom- turmoil, inner frustration. Uh, we feel that when we can't control people, or we can't control circumstances. And very often, we have to let go of that. When you let go of trying to control your situ- the situation you're in, to realize you cannot control your wife or your situation or your circumstance. You need to trust HaKadosh Baruch Hu and daven to Him to help you with all those life circumstances. We cannot have what we believe will make us happy. You know, and, and, and we have to basically let go of that anger and have a muna and not try to control one's wife or one situation. Another unhealthy emotion when it comes to um, marriage is loneliness. Now, we had shiurim on loneliness. It is a hard thing to deal with, but it results from a dependence on other people for our happiness. That's really the etzim nakuda of it. We need to understand that we are alone. There's a difference between alone and loneliness. All of us in marriage, this is a very important insight, so listen carefully. All of us in marriage will feel alone from time to time or sometimes often because the bottom line is you could be by a Shabbos table, Baruch Hashem, Hashem blessed you that you have a warm, loving wife and many children and a lot of people by the Shabbos table and sometimes you will feel an aloneness. And it's because ultimately you are your own person. Hashem gave you your own neshama and your own thoughts and your own reality that is not like any other reality. It's yours and no one can fully be in your shoes 
and you can't fully be in the other person's shoes. So when you're married to somebody and you feel a certain loneliness and you make the wrong conclusion, that means that we're not connected. It means she doesn't really care about me. She doesn't really get me. In reality, that's not the case. It's just that because HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us as individuals and there's certain aspects, no matter how much we try to connect, there's certain pratim that they'll never understand about us and that's how Hashem designed it. We need to let go of that notion. So there's a healthy aspect of aloneness. This is not the shear for now, but it really deserves a separate shear or series of shiurim. There's a healthy aloneness of realizing, hey, Yes, I need to connect with other people, but there's also an aspect of aloneness where I am to myself and have a direct connection to Hashem that no one else has. But that could lead to a loneliness, a feeling of being forlorn and distant and disconnected. That's another thing to be careful about in marriage. Don't think that because sometimes you have trouble understanding each other, trouble connecting, that means that the marriage is not good or doesn't have potential, she's not really for you, doesn't get you. There's certain things that no matter how what, one person will never quote-unquote get about another person. And the idea is, is aloneness is fine in a healthy way from time to time, and we'll, we'll, we'll learn about skills, how to cope with that, but it shouldn't lead to a loneliness, a feeling um, dependent on other people for my happiness. I, I'm, I know it's within me and I'm going to connect. And another unhealthy emotion is fear. Fear is also a result that we imagine or perceive that our needs or our goals will not be met. You have a lot of anxiety. Your wife, up to this point, cooked your meals for you, prepared suppers or went shopping, and you have this inner fear that one day it'll be not met. Or in the sexual realm as well. Baruch Hashem, you have the inner normal times and the intimacy is, is, is good and you always have this unhealthy fear that it'll be lost at some time or not fulfilled. All these things, jealousy, envy, anger, loneliness, fear that we discussed are unhealthy, lower level, immature love. And that all of these have a, have a certain um, common aspect, which is the desire to use other people for your personal happiness and a hunger for pleasure without regards for the cost. So I'm going to repeat that. All emotions that we mentioned before are characteristics of immature love. Why? Because it's a desire to use other people for personal happiness, or a hunger for pleasure without regards for the cost. The panemius of that this type of immature love is when people abuse alcohol or sex or drugs, and that weakens all relationships. So it's important to know that. So if that's the lower level of maturity, what is the higher level of maturity? The higher level of maturity is like this. When you realize that when you help others achieve their potential, their full potential in life, there is where we are closest to maturity. There's a certain selfless desires for others to gain the strongest base of a building lasting relationship. And that is the key. If that is your tachlis, and again, when your wife provides for you the needs of taking care of the home for you, the physical sexual needs, all of these you have a karsa for. But the tachlis of it 
And the real Nikuda behind it has to lead to at least the Shema that you want to get there of loving your wife for who she is, giving to her whatever you could possibly give to her, appreciating her as a Tzalem Alekim, as a beloved daughter of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and wanting to build her up and building her. And like a flower, you cultivate her till she shines. Very often, it's you, it's Tully and you, and you could make her shine. You could mamish transform her over time from someone that was maybe lacked self-confidence to someone that became confident, someone that was very guarded to someone that's very joyful. Over time, if you practice these behaviors discussed here and in the past shiurim, little by little, you really can transform her and bring out her best potential, which is good for her and good for you. Very important thing is to know that one of the major stumbling blocks for most husbands, why what holds them back from developing a lasting love for their wives, is they fail to meet the wife's needs and desires from her viewpoint of things. From her viewpoint of things. So for example, one time someone told the counselor, the wife, that she feels unloved in certain areas, and the husband was like shocked. What do you mean? You know, because in his view, he did shower on her a lot of love in the financial realm, in the physical realm, in emotional realm. So the wife explained, for years you've been a great husband and very helpful person, and you have done a lot of nice things for me. But sometimes you do things I don't need. I appreciate it if you find out what's important to me. And, and you know, this someone like a husband hearing this could feel frustrated. What do you mean? I'm not you. I'm just doing the best I can, and my heart's in the right place. And you should give yourself credit that your heart's in the right place. And Baruch Hashem it is. But the idea of looking at things from her viewpoint, what makes her important feel important, not necessarily what you feel important, because you have to need to realize that what's special to you is not necessarily what's special to her. So, for example, is a story also that to surprise his wife, I guess they were away, whatever it is, that he decided to do a chesed for his wife as a surprise and paint the house for his wife. He knew, I guess, what his wife's colors were, whatever it is, but what was special to her wasn't so special, him wasn't so special to her. She appreciated the paint job, but she would have much rather had a new kitchen floor, right? And when you realize that, you, you, you stop your projects and you buy her that new kitchen floor. So in other words, you're aligning to what her point of view is, which may be very different from you. You may think that the kitchen floor is the paint job we really need. That's how you really believe. But if this is what she wants and she's in the house allowed, she says, I need that priority one is kitchen, is the kitchen floor. You satisfy her needs based on her point of view. When you do this, you may think you're losing out, but you're gaining. Your wife will bend over backwards to try to make you happy. And one counselor said that thousands of wives have told him that when I see my husband making me first place in his life, when I see my husband caring for my deepest relational desires, I can't wait to do the same for him. So that's really a key. Don't stop treating her well because of a fear that she won't return the favor. Don't be afraid of that. Be consistent in your loving her. 
Be consistent in your giving to her. Be persistent in your loving her. Be persistent in your giving to her. And she eventually will return back and and shower that love back to you. Doing things for others the way, our way, it may seem that it's noble, but there's a certain selfishness there. There's a certain immature form of love there. Right? Some wives will receive pool tables. I honestly, I once slipped with that. When I, I love books and reading, and when I went to, I wanted to buy my wife a birthday gift or whatever it was, and I bought a book written by a woman, a, a beautiful book of many beautiful insightful de Tyre, and that's what I bought to her. But later I realized, and my wife may have pointed it out to me, you bought this for yourself. <laughs> now there was, yeah, my wife, not to say she didn't appreciate it, the gesture, I took out my time to give her a gift, but the Etsim gift is something that I intellectually was stimulated by the thoughts and ideas of this Parsha book, and I, I projected my uh, uh, interests in this particular gift to my wife, and that I gave her what I need, not what she needed. So we all fall into that, but we learn from it. And sometimes we have to communicate openly. What would you like if we don't really get it, if we don't understand it? So you need to work on it and even ask directly. What is your, ask your wife, what do you need to make you feel fulfilled? And then look for special ways to fulfill, fulfill her needs. Her needs. Now, listen very carefully. Very often, if, if she's not used to this, and you're changing now, meaning all these sure and we talked about now, you're starting to behave this way. One thing's very important to know is in the beginning, she may not believe that it's MS. She may not believe that your caring attitude that you're showing now that you may have not shown in the past as much, she doesn't think it'll last. You know, she thinks that you're trying to get something out of me or you're trying, but it's going to fall back to the old pattern. Especially if, let's say, for 20 years and now you're changing and she doesn't believe that your caring attitude will last. But don't give up. Don't despair. Don't give up. It takes time to develop that firm relationship. The fact that they're cautious at the outset, it's understandable because they see their husbands being you becoming more caring and they are cautious. What is this about? You know you're sincere. You know you want to make it last forever, but she is not yet at that level. Don't get angry at her. Don't get frustrated at her. Don't get hurt by the fact that she is more wary or cautious or like not so bought in to your new behaviors towards her. She's a little uneasy still. What's this about? Does she really mean it? Don't get hurt by it. Don't get frustrated by it. You keep on going with it, no matter what. There's a joke. It's humorous, but it's sad. A husband went to a lecture on marriage, got motivated by it, and then send his wife, came home, gave her a huge hug and a box of candy and a dozen roses. And she starts crying. She says, this is terrible. You know, this. I had a hard day. My baby cut his finger. I burned your dinner. The k- k- sink is stopping up. And now you come home drunk. What are you coming home drunk for? It's a joke. But again, because she's so not used to her husband coming in a hug and giving her candy and roses, she thought he's drunk. So that's an extreme case. But remember this always. As you're working on things, Do not be surprised if your wife doesn't yet understand your actions. It may take time. 
couple of weeks, months, even a year, you don't give up till they realize that the changes that you're making, that you promised her to love her better, is really everlasting. Once she hops it, again, you don't have you don't have to knock it in her head and plead or whatever. You just continue those behaviors. You continue those behaviors, and you'll see the reward that comes from it. Hatzlacha and bracha.